So own, it's ownership though, isn't it? Like you make all the decisions in your life. You know, if you, you strip it all back, you own everything, right? You, you make every decision, whether it's forced out of your hand or not, because you made the decision to be in that position in the first place. I don't know, I, I feel like the more you take ownership of the choices that you make, and I'm just a big believer of that, of everything that I do, it's all, it's all my fault, it's all my, like, this is my life, right? I guess once you, you understand that a little bit more, that's, that's one of the greatest tools that you can ever have. Hey guys, happy new year. Welcome to season 11 of Take Flight and welcome to 2021. I'm your host, Mark Whittle, and I am so excited to be back with the podcast. Season 11 is a little bit different. It's going to be titled our how-to season. Nothing is changing from our typical approach and traditional episode format other than each episode will deliver a specific outcome and the outcome will be a clear how-to. We will still have the amazing stories, practices and advice from our guests that Take Flight has always delivered, but with an added flavour of something even more tangible. Really, I just wanted you guys to know exactly what to expect from listening to each episode. And in today's case, episode 101 of Take Flight is all about how to create opportunity in your lives. It's such an exciting subject and what better time of year to discuss this than now. January is certainly my favourite time of year and I hope this episode can add some value as you look to make changes in your life. I'm absolutely delighted to share that the guest for episode 101 of Take Flight is the brilliant Jay Morton. Jay, first and foremost, is such a top guy. It was an absolute pleasure sharing this chat with him and I could have spoken to him all day. A real, genuine, down-to-earth guy with an incredible view and approach on how to live life. We connected on so many levels, agreed on so many things and we were particularly aligned with our outlook on life and I certainly felt a real connection when we were chatting. So for those of you that don't know, Jay spent 14 years in the military, four in the parachute regiment and 10 in the special forces as an SAS operative. During his time in the Paras, he was deployed twice to Afghanistan and once to Iraq. And in 2008, Jay passed the gruelling special forces selection process first time. He spent the next 10 years of his life as a high level shooter and operator in the SAS, carrying out a further four tours in Afghanistan and three tours in Iraq, plus two covert operation deployments. Basically, the man is a serious piece of work. On leaving the military, he became a director at the outdoor clothing company Through Dark. And in 2009, he became a DS on the hugely popular TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. Since, he's become an author and launched his first book, Soldier, which we discuss at length in this episode and was honestly such a good read. And on top of that, he's also summited Everest twice. We talk about everything in this episode, including hearing all Jay's learned from his experiences, touching on how to build a tough mindset, learning how to shift old perspectives that aren't serving you anymore, and of course, learning how to create opportunity for yourself. We also discuss personality types and the importance of understanding your personality type and where to utilize that and perhaps where to flex and bend that. Plus, so, so much more. What I'd ask you to consider as you listen along to this episode is the following. How are you creating opportunity in your life? Are you sitting around waiting for opportunity to arrive or are you actively creating it for yourself? Are you listening to the signs and the messages being shown to you or are you missing those half open doors? Jay shares two ways we can create and find opportunity. The first is simply raising our hand, saying, yes, I'm up for that. Sometimes it might not lead anywhere, but in his case, it led to the incredible achievement of Summit in Everest. Now, of course, so much went into that achievement, but the opportunity arrived by simply raising his hand and throwing his name in the hat. I'm sure you can think back to times where you might have done this for yourself, and perhaps it's beneficial to recount those times and consider where it led for you. The second is just pure graft. 
long, hard graphs. And in Jay's case, 10 years in the regiment. 10 years of faith that his service would lead to something. I'm sure he couldn't have imagined exactly where it was going to lead him. But in truth, not knowing is what's exciting about it. And as we mentioned for Jay, this manifested in the form of becoming a DS on the TV show SES Who Dares Wins, which raised his profile and led to his book Soldier, and then onto all the other exciting things he's going to achieve this year. So again, ask yourself, what are you doing in the short term and the long term to create opportunity for yourself? Without further ado, let's get into this incredible story with the legend, former para, former SAS operator, Mole turned DS on Channel 4's SAS Who Dares Wins, author of the book Soldier, and now race car driver, the main man, Jay Morton. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Take Fight Podcast. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Mark. Mate, I'm excited. This place is amazing. You like it? Yeah. <laughs> I can. I mean, I'll be honest, I got here at half past. I was like half an hour early and I was just driving up and down. I was like, it can't be in there. Yeah. It's almost too good to be true. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a lock compound, isn't it? Yeah. It needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful, mate. You've got, you know, just land all around. You've got lakes. Yeah. You've got your gym outside. You've got, yeah. Yeah, this place, like during lockdown, this place was perfect. Yeah. The lake, the orchard, um, had all the workout kit. So yeah. just focused on fitness and um, yeah, it was, it was good to be here during lockdown. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been, you know, you, you, like I used to live in a two bedroom flat in London. So living in a two bedroom flat in London during lockdown would have been my idea of hell. <laughs> Whereabouts in London were you? Putney. In Putney, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. East Putney Station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going down Putney at the minute every every week actually it's Just, a nice place yeah, yeah it kind of feels like you're not in london right yeah it's like the sleepy the sleepy hollows kind of mm. of south london that's what crouch end was like actually it's like a village within feels like a village within the yeah, big crouch city end is nice right? yeah i had a an ex that used to live in finsbury park yeah oh that's where i so i was five years in crouch end and like yeah. four years in uh finsbury park that's quite rough though isn't it it's a bit rough yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> change me change yeah, me man, <laughs> I used to get scared walking around the street. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, mate, look, I'm absolutely buzzing to be chatting with you. I've, you've been my gym partner, actually, for the last really? what, week and a half, listening to your yeah. audio book, which is right here in front of us. Yeah. Um, I loved it, mate. It was right up my street. And I was actually saying your your uh, bookshelf over there looks very similar to mine. Mm. Um, yeah, it's only half as well. I, um, I don't know whether there's, there's loads more in those boxes down there. Um, it was just all I could fit on the shelves and I ended up moving from London to here. I've ended up misplacing the loads, <laughs> yeah. but it's all similar stuff as well. It happens. Like, you lend them to people or give them away. Yeah. Or just, like just when you want to find that bit in a certain book, you haven't got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's your favorite one? My own. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good book. It's yeah. a good book. <laughs> my, my favorite's probably not there. I tell you what, John Kavanagh's good. Win or learn. Um, my favorite—it's hard to say. Like I, because I'm not a natural reader, hmm. so I really like a book when I sit down that is simple to read and I don't get lost in the text. Yeah. Whereas some of those books there, or some really good classic books that everyone raves about, I've tried to read and I find them too hard to read and I lose interest because yeah. I can't—I can't stick to the wording. Hmm. Um, whereas. You know, the Branson books, yeah. he's written them in a way that everyone can understand them. So you, you absorb it and you you learn so much from it. Yeah. Whereas, um, I know Peak, Peak wasn't that bad to read. I struggled with Peak, actually. <laughs> yeah. I put Peak down after two chapters. I think I audio booked it in the end. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. 
that was it's just very science heavy isn't it i mean yes. it, it has to be with yeah. the nature of it but even like the art of learning i found that quite difficult i've not read that one actually he's like a deep really deep thinker and mm. really you know internally um focused yeah i loved um we're just gonna go through your bookshelf now yeah. <laughs> i loved endure is that there is it endure um the curious elastic limits of human performance alex hutchinson ah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Did you, I don't think I read that, you know? Maybe not. No. It's good because it's got a story. You'd love it, actually. It's right over the street. But um, it's got a story at the beginning of every chapter. So that, right. like, you buy into the story. You get yeah, yeah. the emotive side of that. Um, the Untethered Soul as well, mate. Yeah, that's a good oh, book, right? That's, that's powerful, book. isn't it? Yeah. I quite like those books because it's a story within a book as well. So it's funny, though, we're talking about books because it came across when I was reading it that it, it felt like you're incredibly well read, whether you say that you are or not. The stoic quotes that you were talking about, the um, quotes and talks and and uh, even some poems that like presidential candidates or presidents of the past that you included in there. Lo loads of stuff. I loved it, mate. So it had really nice stories in there, great quotes from people. Um, even the way it was laid out with soldier as the acronym and the yeah. way that that was, I thought it was brilliant. So. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that was quite difficult to try and nail it. Mm, I, I um, wondered that. How long did it take you to write it? Um, probably started in January. Yeah. And then um, we were kind of rushed a little bit because we wanted to get it out for, for November. Mm -hmm. Was it November or October? I think it was November. Yeah, November. Yeah. Um, whereas originally we wanted to launch it in January. Um, so it was quite a fast turnaround. So it probably took around six months yeah. to have the, the script ready. And then, um, yeah, and then the rest of the publishers do. Yeah. And how does it, did you have a ghostwriter? Yeah. How, how does that work? Because I know that most people, you don't know it, do you? But most people have a ghostwriter that yeah. helps yeah, yeah. put it most together. Yeah, people do, yeah. Because I'm not a writer. Um, yeah, you sit down, like we sat down here and just, you probably spend about 40 hours just talking and going wow. through it. And, um, exchanging notes and exchanging emails and talking about the structure and what what you want in certain places yeah. and how you want it to be read and um yes yeah, it's, it's a lengthy process yeah yeah a big lengthy process but I, I highly recommend the book mate it was it was awesome Cheers. i really enjoyed reading Thank it you. there's a few topics i've kind of picked out that i'd love to discuss with you given your experience your, your 10 years in the regiment mm -hmm. 14 years as a soldier um and everything you've done beyond actually since you made the change and uh, become a civilian. So the first thing I want to talk about as a topic is purpose. So take flight, an element of it is about taking that leap of faith into a more meaningful life, a life of purpose. And we were talking about how I've left my full-time job, the, the corporate yeah, world now, yeah. uh, to pursue this, which is at this stage of my life, I feel like this is my purpose. Um, and there's lots of times where I felt like that was the messaging coming through in your book as well. So just interested to hear your thoughts on how we can find purpose or like more meaning in our life you actually said i, I wrote it down because i liked it that finding what you love is the greater form of wealth yeah so true though isn't it right yeah it's, it's it's a hard one right and we could probably talk about this for a long time but um we get stuck in a rat race and we get stuck in almost society tells us what to do you know leave school do well at school um, go to college, go to university, get grades, get a degree, um, because that will make you get a better job. And, and that better job is a salary driven job, working for someone else to line someone else's pockets, mm. 
which you then pay into a a pension, which is lining other people's pockets, and it's it's all capped, right? You can only get to a certain level within that company, um, and then you retire and you get paid a set amount of money till till you die. And I don't know, that's the the life that everyone's taught, um, you know, and that's why I think purpose is so important right now. Um, and I guess I found that in the military and the things that I was exposed to in the military, whether good or bad or whether not even the combat and, um, you know, being in contact and stuff like that, but even just being exposed to the mountains and um, jumping out of planes and all these different experiences um, which help you grow up and develop um, but also give you a different view on on the world, especially going to war, right? That gives you a different view on the world. Um, so, yeah, like for me, it's, it's important to do things that I love doing. Otherwise, and I don't know whether it was, <clears throat> I don't know whether it was being in, combat and being in situations where my life felt endangered that gave me that or whether I would have found that anyway. Mm. Um, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing things that, are, that that don't excite me. I don't, like I've just not got time for it. Same with people, same with same with everything, right? I, I want to live a fulfilled life that, that I enjoy that, you know, it's like the cliche, right? I want to die with a load of stories and not a load of money in my bank. It'd be good to die die with both, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the money are gonna give the money's gonna give you some awesome stories at the same time. But if you're earning a massive wage and working for someone else, like you probably were in London, lining someone else's pockets, you get paid a fortune doing what you're doing. But where's that free time to be able to yeah. enjoy that that finance? Yeah, you get um, you're like shackled by it as well because you get the bigger mortgage. You know, you you stretch yeah. what you can afford and the way that you live just you flex to your salary right the more that you earn the more you yeah. spend the more the mortgage is the more your lifestyle costs and then it becomes even more scary to like try and leave that thing um how far do you take that like you know you're talking about like you want to experience as much as you can you want to love what you do like how far do you take it i sometimes find uh, it's i can be rude to people or like mm -hmm. if i feel like my time's being wasted by a conversation i'm not interested in or yeah. I'm being invited to something, an event or an activity that I'm just like, that's not going to be very fun. Mm. Like, how do you balance it? How do you, how yeah, far do you take I'm it? I'm the same. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess it, you probably find this as well. I think the more you step up, step into that kind of life where you just pick and choose what you want to do and the, the less people are there, right? Mm. So the less people you meet that energize you almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 the same. It's it's difficult, right? You lose you lose people that you thought were friends, um, and it's it's probably a very fast paced life. You pick things up and you put them down mm. because you don't like them, or you move on very quickly, right? You can move from like you just made the move from London down to down to Bedford. Mm. You can, you know, it's a it's a life where you're constantly moving, and yeah. not everyone's moving at the same pace and time as you, so. As you're moving, those people that aren't moving, they're going to fall off and drop off, and um, and that's okay, right? Like, because that happens because you meet people that are on the same journey or path as you, but um, at the same time, that might not be okay for the, those people, yeah, because their, you know, their purpose and their values and, and whatever are 
probably a little bit different. Um, but like, we're, we're all just like the star of our own show, right? It's like your life. Um, and again, it just goes back to that. Like, I don't want to be old and say that I didn't do something because mm. someone expected something else of me. So I didn't make that decision. How how quickly did you start to think like this? Like, when did you realize what you thought your purpose was and like the way that you would live your life? Um, I think probably it was towards the, there was a, there was a moment when I was still serving, when I went over to Germany, trained to be a mountain guide. And, um, you know, you're in the mountains every day, uh, skiing, climbing. And there was a, a place that we used to go to, to ski tour. Uh, and it was an awesome route just off the back of the ski lifts. And we used to climb up through these two uh, peaks and then get to this little ridge line where we, me and my my mate Joe that I was living out there with, we used to sit on this ridge and we used to call it Little Chamonix because it looked like Chamonix. Amazing. And we'd take like a packed lunch, take a little hip flask and some coffee and it'd be like 11 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning and we'd just sit up on this ridge line and oh. the sun would come up and the sun would be beating down. And um, I think I, I had a moment there, right, where you just like, like this is something else. And before that, I was very career focused in the military, wanted to progress through the ranks, wanted to, you know, be a TL of a troop and a team leader of a troop and a sergeant major. And then I guess exposed to all this and, you know, you see a different part of the world and see that there's other stuff out there other than just being in the SAS. Mm -hmm. And then I guess when I came back from that, <clears throat> um, I, I think the, the seed was planted in my head that I wanted to do more stuff like that and, and not be sent around the world to, cause it, I love the military, I love the military, right? Love being in the special forces, but the freedom aspect is taken away from you. Um, so you're told where to go. You're told what to do that day. And yeah. for me, that's, you know, you, you could say now my purpose in life is to live the freest life that, that I could. Um, so yeah, the seed was almost planted away in, in, in Germany in the Alps. And then I guess returning from that, it was pretty much just, I was just doing more of stuff that I enjoyed doing, but found the military was restricting me on doing that, obviously, mm. um, just like any other other job would, would be. And then just leaving has just given, you know, gave me the freedom to just go, right, this is, I want to turn my life into what I want to turn it into. Yeah. So and I've got the freedom to do it. Hey, that's amazing. I love it. And that leads into opportunity, right? Then you seek yeah. out opportunity and you seek out the opportunity that's beneficial to that life that you want to live. So that's like a muscle, right? Opportunity is like a muscle. The more you, you pick and choose it and it goes down that path that you want it to, the the more in tune you become of it and mm. and you you disregard the the bad opportunities that come in your way as well. Mate, I absolutely love it. I've done it perfectly teed up the next bit <laughs> opportunity <laughs> this is what i actually wanted to center the most of the conversation around is our opportunity because i couldn't agree more like having gone two feet in and made the decision to do this full time you feel the shift in energy you you feel that you're aligned with what you want to do and that you can create that life for yourself so yeah i just i mean i'd love to hear you've created so many opportunities for yourself so i'd love to hear like how you did that and some of the maybe more pivotal 
opportunities that arose and how you how you sort of took them on yeah like it's it's, it's fair to say though and you, you, whether you agree with this or not but choosing those those choices right like going full-time with the the podcast they're the greatest choices you'll ever make but they, they come with a lot of stress at the same time oh, yeah mate I, I i think about it while i'm asleep yeah <laughs> i don't stop like it is so so stressful it's more stressful than turning up to work nine to five and getting paid a salary every month. Yeah, but it's it's it far outweighs the feeling of being miserable and yeah. weighed down by the other the, the alternative. Being in control of your own shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to take full responsibility of everything, yeah. every aspect. Especially at the minute, I have no help with this. Yeah. I'm just starting to find people now who I could get help from, um, which is going to make it easier. But yeah, I 100% agree. You have to take it full, like extreme ownership like Jocko Willink's book it's like that isn't it taking Perfect. it all yeah, yeah. Um, what was the question so um, <laughs> so it's, you you've nah, like moment, yeah and you've you've created lots of opportunities for yourself really so how did they even come about like you know SSU does wins getting into the regiment <laughs> even going into becoming a soldier in the first place and getting the parrots like how did you create those opportunities um I guess uh, I don't know. Like I kind of knew. Like I've never, I've never been like a, I've never been a goal setter. I've never mm. been <clears throat> a rigid goal setter. I've always had an idea in my head of what I wanted to do and like a vision of a life that I want to live in the future. Like I've got that in my head now, and I think about it a lot. Yeah. Whether that's goal setting, it's not the traditional goal setting that you'd read about in the books of yeah. writing stuff down and journaling. I can't do that because it just it gets lost. Um, but I have a picture in my head of, you know, the things that I want to tick off next year. And So what would an example be of that? K2 next year. Okay. Um, and then... And you visualise yourself like at the top or...? Nah, just... I just have a, a feel... Like, I don't... Maybe I might go into a daydream about it. I'm a, a big daydreamer. Um, but, but I know in my head that's something that I want to do. Mm. And then you just... You generally gravitate towards that then, don't you? Um and there's a, there's a few business things that, that I'm doing now that, you know, they're long-term things that I'm working on um, and they take up a lot of thinking space. And like the human body, the, the human brain's amazing because you can think of that stuff, right? And that's generally like, if you look around this room now, everything was thought out in, in the brain from the car to the window to these mm. microphones. Um, <clears throat> so... Yeah, and then it goes back to that opportunity thing of I have this general idea of what I want to do. And then, so you then, when the opportunities come in, you almost know which ones to pick and which ones mm. not to pick. And I think big ones for me were, you know, joining the military. I always wanted to join the military. Um, I used to, you know, I used to say at school, I'm going to join the Marines. You say at college, I was going to join the Marines um, and then join the Paras. Um, but it, it was always to me what I wanted to do for whatever reason, whether it was not liking school, um, people that I spoke to in the military that, you know, used to tell me stories that inspired me to join. Mm. <clears throat> and then I guess, I guess we, I joined the Paras, which is seen as the, you know, the, probably the the best or the better regiment within the British Army. You know, you've got a selection process to get in. Um, 
And I guess doing that, I realized that you get more reward from doing harder things mm. and you, you get a better sense of achievement. Like there's a feeling of being in the paras that you probably don't get in a, in a, in like the Royal logistics or an engineer corps. You feel like better than everyone else in a, in a, in a good sense, mm. not in a, yeah, we're better. Well, it was in the paras. <laughs> everyone else is a screamer, right? But that's probably an unhealthy way of it. But then, but you get that feeling, that feedback of, going for something that's seen as difficult and unachievable and then achieving it. And that was the same with the SAS. Um, and then I guess you guess you get almost addicted to the feeling of wanting to conquer something, which then led into, you know, the opportunity to climb Everest, which was an opportunity to climb K2. And again, that was, so that came from going to Germany to do the, the mountain guides course which again was another opportunity, which I nearly turned down. Um, but I think, I, think, uh, I think your intuition's a big thing as well. I think gut feel is massive. If something feels right or not, I think your body and brain know that you should be doing that and shouldn't be doing that. Mm. Just like you probably with this, you probably felt like it was the, the right thing to do deep down. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, like Everest was like a, that was a massive opportunity for me. Changed a lot of things. Changed a hell of a lot of things. And then doing it, doing it the second time was was even bigger, right? Um, and then, yeah, you know, I've got this idea of where I want to go and the rest of it is just picking things that, say now it's, you know, doing the TV show and doing this racing, you know, racing next year. Yeah. They're all like fun things that I want to go and do, right? They're not things that I go, maybe, you know. I mean, the TV show probably was because there's a lot of lot of other stuff that's associated with it. Um, mainly, you know, coming out of the SAS and then going on to TV is yeah. not what people do. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other stuff like racing cars, like, why well, would not want to go and do that? That's, you know, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's, you know, seeking, like it's like it is in the book, you've got to have a general idea of where you want to go and then just opportunities arise all the time. You've just got to be able to spot them. How did the opportunity for both Everest the first time come around and then how did the TV show come around as well? So the Everest one was, whilst I was still serving in the SAS, mm -hmm. uh, an ex-regiment guy, John, who'd actually been injured really badly in Afghanistan. He was a bit older, um, but a helicopter landed on a, a vehicle that he was in. Yeah like smashed him up big time. You know, his his knee was, his his toes were in his hip. Whoa. So his knee had overextended. <clears throat> and he'd taken like a, a decline in, in rehab and ended up leaving the military, setting up some businesses, did really well for himself. He wanted to climb K2. He was still in touch with guys from the, the regiment. Um, and they were like, look, you know, we'll, we'll send some guys on from, from the regiment and went out to, to all the squadrons and I put my name forward and got picked. So it was easy as that. Yeah. <laughs> but because I'd done the mountain guides course. But that's great. It's just, it's just throwing your name in the hat, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we were in Oman at the time and I came back and the Sergeant Major pulled me aside and said, Jay, there's a trip to K2 come up. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, 
So yeah, we did. We devised the training plan for John to get him up to the top of Everest and get us up to the top of Everest. And um, like we obviously made some mistakes and, and did did some things right, and that led to the summit in two thousand and seventeen, um, which went smoothly. It was you know a pretty easier summit than maybe the second time. Um, and then yeah, the TV show that was the next one, wasn't yeah. it? That was when I was with Through Dark and um, the, the producers had got in touch with us and asked if we could provide some clothing for the for the show. And then at the time they were looking for this new storyline of an ex-Special Forces guy to go in as a as an undercover mole. Yeah. Um, so we all kind of showed our interest and all went through the selection process. And, all the lads at Through Dark. Yeah. And then I was, yeah. Well, that's why they kicked you out now, they don't. <laughs> 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 no good <laughs> service is no longer required do you know it's it's funny though like it, you know you made me think there the the simplicity of throwing your name in the hat like i i played football in america for two years and that just came down to me actually hearing about it from somebody else in the university team that i played in and then going do you know what fuck it i'm gonna go to the trial and just see what happens and just that simple act of going to it was at man city's academy uh, facilities training there led to two years in America playing football. But the, there was probably a load of other people that heard about those trials that didn't mm. and just sat there and went. And then when you went, it was like, how did he get picked? Yeah. That just did, didn't do anything about it, right? Yeah. Because, I don't know, for some reason they just didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, sometimes it's not that difficult to make happen. No, and I've always been, <clears throat> I've always been that guy that volunteers for stuff and mm. throws myself into stuff because I've always, from a young age, wanted to do different things and experience different things so you know when you know high altitude free fall comes up i'm like yeah i want to go and do that or fast driving comes up i'm like yeah i want to go and do that and then you've got to ride the rough with the smooth as well right you, you get the the shit jobs and when they come yeah. up you're like yeah i'm gonna do that as well like, just send jay on everything it's good, it's good. that's interesting though because i think like well i mean actually before i ask that i'd love to hear a little bit more about getting on the show so what did it feel like when they did select you? Um, I know that you had some <laughs> negative feedback as well as some positive feedback. So when we take opportunities, you know, they say that the, the higher up yeah. the ladder you go, the further your ass yeah, sticks yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what was that process like before you actually got on and, and were able to even do it? Because it's exciting, isn't it, when you hear news like that, but then you just got negative feedback. Yeah, it's quite nerve wracking, to be honest. Um, yeah, because, you know, going on TV and that show gets bad press in the regiment. It's, it's, it's a bit hit and miss, right? Some guys are like, yeah, it's fine. And and other guys, mainly the older guys, are like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, mm. why is it even happening? Um, and I was fresh out, so I'd only been out maybe a year or just less, just less than a year. <clears throat> and um, so, you, you know, when I found out that I was going to go on as the mole, um, the producers then speak to um, Hereford, to the regiment, just to make sure that I'm not a liability. And they they green light it and say that it's, that it's okay. So I know that the producers are then going back to probably my old squadron, speaking to someone in there um, who's going to go, yeah, Jay was an all right guy. Yeah. So I'm just like, I was on holiday in Portugal at the time. And um, I remember coming back in and, I was leaving my phone off purposely because I was just expecting to <laughs> flick the phone on. And, yeah, there was a few like messages on there that 
you know, I won't go into details. Or <laughs> there's, there's the stories in the book. Um, and at the time, right, you've, you've served with these guys for so long, you've built up a reputation based on merit. Um, you know, I was a, tr- I was trusted. I was, you know, a decent guy in the regiment and, uh, you build up a good reputation over 10 years and just off one or two messages that feels like that's been shattered in an instant. And you feel that that's the general consensus of everyone, which, you know, isn't the case, but mm. at that time you're like, you know, the gates are short. See you later, Jay. Um, which is a lot of weight on your shoulders. So at the time I was just like, we, we came back from surfing and uh, staying in a hotel and I was just like, let's go to the bar. I just sank about, you know, four pints in, in 15 minutes. <laughs> Got pretty wasted, which made me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Temporarily. <Short-term>. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then like got back to the UK and obviously the dust had settled and rumor mill had gone round and yeah, I just started receiving messages off some of the guys just saying, you know, it's, we're glad it's you and mm. like, good luck and that kind of stuff yeah. is, I, I guess it's that thing right you you put yourself out there and you put yourself out there for opportunity but you also put yourself out there to to receive stuff like that negative comments or people aren't going to like people aren't going to like stuff that you do sometimes um and it's that that good old saying right everyone wants you to su- everyone wants you to succeed just not as much as them <laughs> um so when they see you doing well it's it's a negative on their, their behalf. I guess as long as we're prepared to put ourselves in the firing line, like if we, if we want to take opportunities, we want to progress and <clears throat> go as far as we can, which is what we all really innately want to do, we've got to be prepared to get negative feedback and be in the firing line, like putting ourselves out there. Yeah, massively. Hmm. And I think the more you do it, when you first start doing it, it's quite daunting yeah. and you get might get negative feedback or whatever. I think the more you do it, the more you know you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Because you you know that, I don't know, you might rub someone up in a certain way, but yeah. you're like, I know that I'm not doing anything wrong. And it was kind of like that with the show. I knew that I wasn't doing anything wrong. So in my head, I'm, I'm fine. I've, I've signed myself off. But like people are going to get rubbed up by stuff yeah. that you do. It's funny because you, you, well, replaying back what you said there, you've given the example of like just throwing your name in the hat and opportunities come, mm-hmm. right? That's a great one. And Everest came off the back of that. But then there's the second opportunity, which was getting onto the TV show, which was actually the result of 10 years in the regiment. Yeah. Like not knowing that that's going to be the opportunity that comes at the end of it, but just doing it with faith that, well, doing it because it's what you loved at the time yeah. as well, but doing it with faith that, it, it, you know, it leads to a lifestyle that you want as well. Yeah. And that's the thing with opportunity. Once you start taking it and once you start understanding more about it, you will, like it pays off in the end. Mm. And that was, that, was a, that was a good payoff for me. Yeah, amazing. What I loved in the book, very early on, you talked about personality types. And I was basically, everything you said about yourself, I was relating to, yeah. very similar. Campaigner. Uh, I was, I'm actually the debater. So it's just like <laughs> at the end, which I thought I was a campaigner, right? right? So I went and did it again after I yeah. read the book. And um, I got the debate. I was like, oh, you read the debate. It's like, I just sound like a dick. <laughs> so I did it again. I was like, oh, I'm doing it again. And it was the debater, debater again. What's the debater? Just, um, just like, it's very similar to campaigner, yeah. but um, I think it's the last letter is, right. so it's E-N-T-P, F, I think. F, E-N-F. I'm E-N-F-P, I think. Yeah, so it's just, apart from F, it's T, I think. I'm different. Um, so just basically every time someone says something, you want an argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, come on, let's go do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
it was interesting because I think with opportunity, it's it's important. First, you mentioned intuitive to mm -hmm. be able to go on that gut feel and be an extroverted as well. I think those things really help when you want to push yourself out of your comfort zone. You want to you're prepared to go into the firing line and all that sort of stuff. But I'm interested to know your thoughts, given your experience, the people you've been around in the military and outside the military. Like what could people with maybe a different personality trait yeah, yeah. do to, to find those opportunities yeah, and put yeah. themselves out there? Because that's hard, right? Because you, this is the thing that I'm starting to understand now is, and, and especially writing the book and seeing the personality testing is everyone's different. Mm. And I'm extroverted with a little bit of introvert in me. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I, I like my own space. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's introverted, right? I don't yeah. like being in big cities. Um, but the extrovert in me wants to be around people at the same time, but not everyone's like that. Um, but I think, you know, that's why I wanted to start the book with the personality testing was so that everyone can get an understanding of what they are. People generally know whether they're introverted or extro yeah. extroverted, right? Um, but if you, if, if you don't, you do the personality testing and you start to understand more about yourself, you then know that, you know, if, if you're massively introverted, doesn't mean that you have to stay introverted for life. You can still be an introvert with extroverted characteristics, but you've got to work at that. Mm. And you might not like that, but you have to work at it. Um, just as, I mean, I'm not too bad, but if you're an extrovert and, you know, during lockdown, you found that difficult because there wasn't as many people to be around and mm. take energy from. You've got to work at being an introvert and enjoying yeah. your own space and being indoors. So, you know, the starting point is understanding what you are and what personality type you are because you, you everyone's different and everyone has a set personality type. Um, and if that, if your personality type is against going out and seeking opportunity or throwing yourself in, into, into difficult scenarios or taking, you know, taking chances on things, but that's a life that you want to live. Because again, not everyone wants to do this kind of stuff. Mm. People are happy going to that job that takes a salary. And, yeah. You know, but are they, they though? This is what I, the mortgage. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder that too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, people have to be honest with themselves. I'd say there's a percentage there that probably aren't, aren't happy. It's, it's hard, right? Everyone's yeah. different. There's probably a percentage there that aren't happy that, you know, look at people like yourself that, you know, quit the job in the city to do podcasting and they want a piece of that. And that creates negative or positive thoughts, right? You can either, either inspire someone or you can send them down the old negative train mm. and they fire, you know, they turn into trolls and start mm. calling you all sorts of names. Um, but yeah. Um, it's, it it's, it's funny, like when cause you were saying you're just sort of figuring out and it's so funny and aligned with with myself as well as like just figuring out that people are different. Yeah. I think because I have been screaming this message of like take flight, take the leap of faith, pursue your purpose, don't live within the constructs of a corporate world and and these limitations that people put on you. But then it's like, well, not everyone's like me. Yeah. So just get out of your own head for a minute and think that because I think it's it's become more clear to me because I've been coaching people and um lots more people recently than I have before. And there's not a one size fits all method yeah. for helping people to find happiness or meaning or whatever it is because other other people get it other places and i'm yeah. like my bias is to go like no 
do this, quit the job, like do the thing you love. Yeah, because that works for you. Yeah. And you it's worked for you in the past. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the beauty of say social media is you're able to put what you've, you know, what's worked for you out. I'm able to put what's worked for me out. Some introverted character who's done whatever's able to put what he's, you know, and as a person, you you can go and get inspired or Google search or whatever, all these different kind of people and, f- and figure out a method that works for you. Um, but, you know, like going back to it, I think, you know, ev- everyone, regardless of what personality type you are, can learn a little bit more about just putting themselves out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I think that's the biggest, you know, people say, what's my favorite chapter in the book? And it's, I always say self and danger. Self, because it's, you know, it's the first chapter. It's all about that, that starting block of learning about yourself. So you've got that base level of, right, where do I go from here? Mm. And then it's danger because it's not, you know, the danger as everyone refers to as danger, but it's, it's the, the seeking out discomfort or seeking out things mm. that, because dangers, you know, dangers very, it's a, it's a broad topic, right? But the same, the same reaction your body goes through in a firefight or seeing a dead body is the same reaction that someone else's body might go through in asking a, a girl out or yeah. a boy out or um, going for a job interview or, you know, being on a podcast or yeah. these kind of things, right? Because mm. it's, it's not natural. Um, but they're the greatest, they're the greatest learners and your body adapts to it. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I've, I pretty much made two pages of notes just on self <laughs> yeah. from the chapter. Yeah. <clears throat> what I loved actually, when you, when you spoke about figuring out who you are and getting, getting to know yourself, which, you know, I think everyone does that at some stage, probably I, I found, I found with the people I've spoken to is it's that sort of 28 to 35 yeah age where yeah. you're sort of figuring figuring stuff out a little bit more you realize you've been conditioned to a degree and then um, i think sorry to no, go on, please, mate. and then i think towards the end of that you stop giving it you stop caring about it as much <laughs> I bet, yeah. you're like i've kind of done all that introspection mm. introspection kind of stuff and now i'm i'm almost just a bit more happier about mm. i feel like you'd get like that like i'm like that now I'm how old are like you 36 okay i'm in a place where i'm just I can't, I feel like I've done all that internal work, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I'm in a place where I know what makes me happy and what I want to do. And maybe I'll have to revisit it in a few years, but at this this moment I've just cared less about the things that you used to care about when you were younger, mm. which is good. Mate, that's amazing to me. I've, I've been pretty deep in it like for have a you? couple of years. Yeah. And I think I'm just starting to <laughs> get to the stage. I just turned 33. Right. So it's nice to hear. <laughs> I've yeah, got, towards the end. I'm starting to already feel it, mate. I'm happier than, I think leaving the job has been a big part of it, but I'm yeah. happier than I've been for years. And I think it's getting to that stage now where I'm feeling like I don't have to, I know a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of work on myself and yes, it's. Uh, but that, that salary job, that, that work job, that will stop you from doing that internal yeah. work. Like what would you call it? Yeah, it is internal. It's introspection, it is, right? isn't it? Introspection, internal, yeah. yeah. I think the um, the problem with the salary job is that I felt a lot of the time that I was taking one step forward and two steps back. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I, I'd either gone on a retreat or um, 
get some progress with Take Flight or whatever it was. And then Monday morning, I'm back in the office surrounded by people who are just obsessed with money and looking at cars on their laptops and can't wait to talk about the deal they're about to get in. And it just drags you back into the thing of like, because I know that if I did that, I would win. Yeah. Like I have the personality and the the work ethic to win. Yeah. But it was like, and it was so hard with my competitiveness not to go back in there and like do everything I could to beat everyone there and go, it just, that's not important to me anymore. Mm. Um. But yeah, no, it's nice to hear a couple more years maybe of introspection. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said on there that you can go through um, a process of getting to know yourself without the kind of deep introspective work on like childhood trauma or whatever mm-hmm. it needs to be. Like how how can we do it without the heaviness and without that, like, because it's, it's tiring, it takes a lot of emotion, doesn't it? Um, yeah, like, mate, yeah, I, it, do you know what? It's hard to say, right? Because everyone's different again. Yeah. And like, I've never done any, like, I've never seen a psychologist. I've never, I've never gone back into, in my own head, I've gone back into, to say, childhood and stuff like that. But I've never, I don't know. I don't, I've never really seen anything as a negative. Hmm. And I think that's probably one of my strongest points. Um, I see everything as, as, say, a learning point or a positive. Even take, for example, lockdown just recently. You know, we were talking about it before we started recording and you can quite easily take lockdown and just instantly turn it into a negative. You know, the old woe is me. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure every person's situation is different. Some people lost their jobs. Some people maybe have lost wives, girlfriends. Well, you whatever. said you've lost your job yeah, and it's it been is. the best year yeah. ever. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Like maybe people can take some inspiration from that story. Yeah. You know, I, I came out of a, a clothing business, um, which, you know, poured my heart and soul into. And, um, you know, it was during lockdown. And, you know, you can quite easily go into the the trap of, of you know, everything's, you know, the whole, ne- you know, spinning out a negative, like I said, right? But you've got to look at it as what it is. Um, and you've got to adapt to what you're able to do. Um, so yeah, it's, people are, you know, people are, easy, you know, very easy to put a negative on onto things. Whereas, I don't know, everything's there. Like even the, the losing my job, right? I don't even, I don't even see it as that. Mm. I don't even see it as like, you know, the negative word of oh, I got fired or whatever it is. I don't see it as that. It's just, it was just. Not even a bump. It's just part of life. Or do you see it as just a chance for something else? Yeah. 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 More freedom. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, because that's on a macro level, isn't it? That's yeah. like losing a job or making a big change like that. But you can also do it on a micro level. Like even um, I see it myself now where if someone says no to coming on the podcast, for example, or like my event got cancelled and stuff like that, it's like, well, that's cool. Like we'll do it better next time. Yeah. Or I'll get somebody else on. Or yeah. you just if you can do that daily yeah but then almost going back to something that you said before i then struggle to relate to people that don't do that mm. so that's another thing about having people around you when people you know and it might be family or, or close friends that you know i had a i'm not going to mention who it was but um i had a message to, today and um yeah she was like explaining something really bad that happened to someone it's, it's not that bad right <laughs> But I struggle to relate to it. I can't 
can't find sympathy in that because, you know, they're, they're getting evicted out of the house and that might be really bad for someone. But, you know, if someone turned around to me and said, right, I can't pay the mortgages on this or, or whatever, you've got to, you know, the bank's going to re- re- reclaim it, which I'm sure wouldn't happen to me because you're in that mindset of going out and seeking out opportunity and you'll find a way of paying for it. Or, mm. but, but even if it did, it's, it's, it's a start of something new or, um, yeah, just, I think from a very early age, even, you know, like losing friends or, you know, in, in overseas ops or, you know, being in contact or seeing some of man's worst, uh, monstrosities. I've seen it all as a positive towards my life mm. as opposed to seeing it as a negative and coming back and slipping into some sort of mental health problem. That's amazing mindset to have. How do you think that we can better cope with change, whether it's something we've decided to do or whether it's been forced upon us? Because I find that even with, even when you make a change, even if you've decided to, there's like a feeling of grief sometimes mm. attached to that or loss. Like even with me, there, there are, I didn't like the job, but there are things I enjoyed, like going for beers afterwards with people or, you know, there was a thrill when you closed a deal or whatever it was like, and then knowing that this is feeling is great and the path I'm on now, there's still a feeling a little bit in there of like, oh, I'd never get to do that again. Like really? that's, that chapter's yeah, gone yeah, yeah. just because there's a little bit of like yeah. loss there. And I guess you have that with anything. It's ownership though, isn't it? That's what it it comes down like we're on about ownership. It is. It's like you make all the decisions in your life. You you made the decision that led to, you know, if you you strip it all back, you own everything, right? You you make every decision, whether it's forced out of your hand or not, because you made the decision to be in that position in the first place. Mm. You know, you're getting that house taken off you because for whatever reason, you made the decision to live in that house in the first place. Mm. And... I don't know. I feel like the more you take ownership of the choices that you make, um, it's no one else's fault, right? You know, I could, it isn't like, I'm, and I'm just a big believer of that. Of everything that I do, it's all it's all my fault. It's all my like, it's my life, right? Yeah. Um, and I hate excuses. I hate people who point fingers. It's so like, just own you own your shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's. It's that. And then it's, I guess once you, you understand that a little bit more, that's, that's one of the greatest tools that you could ever have. Cause you know, it's, it's that classic thing um, where if you take ownership of everything, right. You take ownership of, of every day. Like I want to wake up every day and be happy. And you know, you get these people that say that that's not possible, mm. but it is like, why is it not? Like you owe it to yourself to wake up every day and be like, all right, I'm having an awesome life here. <laughs> like regardless of what happens, someone could crash into me, crash into my car or I could break a foot, whatever, right? It's, I'm still gonna have a great time doing it. Um, and yeah, I think just having that mindset is is powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. A couple of things. I think when you get caught in the slipstream, you do outstretch and buy that bigger house or whatever that might lead to you losing it in the end. Like that's and again, work harder. <laughs> yeah, it's true, yeah. isn't it? Like, if you want a better life, work harder. Yeah, find things that mean you earn more money to buy a bigger house and fly on business class. Yeah. It's all out there, right? It's yeah. not like we're seventy years ago where you had to go to the mines or you had to get a job that 
was relatable to your your education. Mm. Like, mate, you you're you got a job as a podcast yeah. uh, host. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. fun. <laughs> it's twenty twenty, nearly twenty twenty one. You can yeah. do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's so true, mate. I love that. I love that. I'd love to hear a little bit more of the stories from either Everest or being in the military yourself. Like some of the let, let's go with like what was the biggest challenge or the most fearful that you ever felt in that because i think a lot of a lot of the people who perhaps aren't living with this mindset is because of fear mm -hmm. so examples of where you felt particularly fearful and overcome that whether that's a particular time in battle or or a time when you're on your climb um i think probably like leaving the military for me was definitely where i was like you'd said you know fear i probably wouldn't use the, the word fear but daunting maybe um it's funny you pick that over being in contact in <laughs> yeah but then so it's the unknown isn't it yeah and it's such a massive life-changing uh choice whereas being in a contact it might happen and you know it might be over in 20 seconds it might take all day yeah but you join the military to be in that contact um and don't get me wrong there's some times where you're like well, that was that was scary um but it's like playing a rugby game or i'd imagine akin to boxers standing in a ring or mm. ufc fighters it's very similar to that where you know they're not feeling fear it's probably they probably feel a, a nervous like the body does something inside them but that doesn't mean like you shouldn't not fear what, like your opponent in boxing or fighting because you know that's probably a big mistake to make just like fearing and fearing an enemy going to war um because you get complacent but it's it's a bodily re bodily reaction that your body goes through being in that situation whether you call it fear or what i, I prefer to just think of it as you know nerves or or whatever you know whatever that feeling is i, f I find like nerves and fear are very negative words right so mm -hmm struggle to throw them into a sentence that relates to that kind of stuff. But leaving the military, there's some sleepless nights. There. <laughs> there's a lot on your mind and it's a big choice and it happens over a long period of time. Um, and there's a lot of stress that comes with that. A lot of stress of the what ifs. And you've been a part of this unit, this special forces unit for 10 years. And that forms your identity, whether you like it or not. Um, and you're surrounded by a load of, guys that all you know live think and feel the same things and you go and form some of the greatest relationships around the world in whatever situations and scenarios you end up in um to then you know turn around and say you know you don't want to be a part of that mm. um for whatever reason and then you're not leaving to go into a job that's planned or you're not leaving for like i was leaving to just get more freedom so it's not like I was leaving to go, right, I want to go and study law because I've got a real passion to be a lawyer. Um, it was more just, I just need freedom. I need, yeah. I need some space. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like the job. I love the job. I just didn't like the freedom, the, the freedom that it didn't give you. Yeah. Um, where were we? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just talking about like the fear of making that decision. I yeah, suppose, but, that was it. So. Yeah. 
so yeah, you know, when I left, you, you give 12 months notice to come out of the military. Yeah. Um, and I ended up giving six weeks just because, you know, the, the guys were mega lenient. They honored the fact that I wanted to get out pretty quickly. And you go from, from being, you know, a part of a, an integral team and mm-hmm. um, having an important role in a, in a special forces environment to being in a two bed flat in London. <laughs> um, with kind of no real direction of of how you want to navigate the civilian world, um, and you lose that identity instantly, and that's that's something you feel right. You feel like you feel a little bit lost for, for a little bit of time, and that that was probably like you know when you talk about fear, that was probably the the time when I felt that fear the most. Because even if you don't make it as a civilian, you failed, right? You go back to the lads, they all take the piss out of you. <laughs> That's the worst feeling ever. Um, and it's not the failure aspect. It's going back to the lads and them all just being like, you muppet. <laughs> Is that when your like period of introspection started when you left? Or was it ongoing before? Nah, that? I think I've always been like that. Yeah. I think it was more when I, when I came out, just because I had the time. Like we said, if you're in a, a job that pays a salary and a nine to five job, you generally don't have that time for introspection um, because you want to finish that job, come back and watch TV and go to the gym and yeah. that, you want to de, de-stress or take your mind away from that job. And it's the same being in the being in the special forces. It's a not a nine to five job, but it's a job that you get up in the morning, you, you turn up for work, you finish work, you go to the gym. Yeah. You want to just chill out, right? And... and, and take your mind away from the job or, you know, just like why people watch Netflix in the mm, evening. Yeah. Um, whereas now I find I, I watch less TV because like I'm in, I'm in control of my own life, which means that, you know, if I want to have a, a good life and travel and do the things I want to do, I've got to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't just sit here and, <laughs> and do nothing. Otherwise there'll be no money in the bank and uh, I won't get all these opportunities. What, um, what does like a, a week look like for you at the minute? What Now? What, yeah. God, different every week, yeah. variety, which is again what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, random. Like I, I, I don't know about you, but I love Mondays. I love Mondays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so charged, <laughs> man, for a Monday. Yeah, I get bored on a weekend. Same. Yeah. I can't wait to start. Do you know yeah. what? I saw something the other day. It said Mondays are the most stressful day globally. Yeah, I was. I just couldn't. Again, I couldn't relate just because. Maybe it's because we love what we do, but yeah. um, the thought of getting to go again after a little bit of a rest. Yeah, like I get it, you know, unless I've got something really big planned at the weekend, like go down, going down to Cornwall, mm-hmm. surfing or if Wait, there's where'd waves. Where do you go in Cornwall? Uh, usually just Newquay. Yeah. Um, but if there's waves, I'm good for the weekend. But if there's no waves or the weather's bad, I'm, I'm literally, I, I'm not, I don't know what to do with myself mm. because the whole week I'm, I'm working, I'm creating stuff. So I'm sat there like on a Sunday, just twiddling my thumbs. And uh, I can't wait for Monday to start. Like yeah. Monday morning, I'm up. <laughs> I like go and do some exercise, whether it's in the, you know, in the gym in the back garden or in the gym, or I go for a walk and come back here. I like do my, have my coffee, have some breakfast, and I'm like good to go. I'm like firing the laptop up. Um, what time then, do you get up? Uh, usually around seven. Yeah. 6.37. And then start um, the day. Yeah, like I've been... Um, I've been going for some runs recently, first thing in the morning. I'll try and do something active in the morning to mm-hmm. wake myself up, um, get in the bin, uh, which is about, that on there. Yeah, it's yeah. about three degrees, like cold water. Uh, you just which, put cold water or ice in it as well? Nah, 
It's I cold enough outside. It. Got, yeah, it's cold <laughs> enough at the minute. Um, yeah, and then try and do some sort of workout. Um, and then, yeah, like I just find myself being busy all day just mm. trying to create stuff. And, um, and what are you creating? Obviously, I've got the book going on. Uh, I've got the racing car stuff. Um, and then I've got a business with a, a friend at the minute, which we're, we're working on, which is taking up like loads of time. And what's that? Can you talk about what their business is? Uh, not really. Okay. But, um, so yeah, like I'm flat out Monday to Friday for the best reasons. Yeah. Um, and then if I'm racing, I'll be away racing. Mm. And then the weekend comes and you want that chill time and, I want it for like a good hour or two hours and then I'm like good to go again. Yeah. You like that with holidays as well. I can do like two days and then I'm itching to. I've got to go. I've got to go with a purpose. So right. I'll go somewhere to surf or to climb. I couldn't just go to somewhere for a week and sit in a hotel and yeah. sunbathe. That's probably my idea of how. <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> I... all those people who like doing it, I can't. I think with, again, talking about the corporate world and those jobs that we get caught in you need that downtime. So a week away to sit on a bit a beach is like you're just chance to find yourself again. Mm. But if you're doing something that you care about, you don't necessarily need that. Yeah, like, like we love what we're doing. So that Monday mornings that's my weekend. Yeah. I take um I'll just take a pile of books. Yeah. Yeah. And read. Yeah. Like you know, on the plane I'll just I never used to read until I was till I started this journey really, like twenty six, twenty seven of like trying to figure stuff out, what I wanted to do and everything else. Um so yeah I'll I'll, I'll go through a couple of books on a flight and then round the pool or whatever. Yeah, I've got to go like either a lot of exercise. So I'll get up, go for a run, got to be a gym mm. or I'll go, yeah, for a purpose, yeah. either to go climbing or surfing. Yeah. Mate, I'd love to hear a little bit about your uh, routine. So you talked about getting in the bin. Mm -hmm. um, what your morning routine looks like, stuff you took from the special forces and, and still practice today. Uh as much as this is about purpose, not everyone wants to, you know, quit their job and, mm. and, and take that leap immediately. It's also about performance. So how people can just generally be better day to day. So yeah. the little things we can add into our days to make us better. What, what would you advise? I think morning routines are important for yeah. that. Um, cause they can instill a lot of discipline and discipline, you know, discipline's a muscle. So the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Um, so yeah, I generally get up about six thirty seven. Um, I'll do some sort of exercise, get in the bin. Uh, so to get some cold water, whether it's a cold shower or the bin. Um, and then, yeah, I do things that I just do automatically, like make my bed. Yeah. Um, I've got this thing at the minute where I don't, I leave my phone off till 9.30. So I'm not looking at Instagram because we all do it, right? Yeah. You get sucked into that, <laughs> even when you think people aren't, right? They're the biggest high performers ever, but I bet Elon Musk wakes up and checks Instagram <laughs> yeah. as soon as he wakes up. Um, just designed that way and we're all humans. So I've got this thing now where I leave my phone off till 9.30, regardless Air, of Airplane mode or... Do, do you know what? I just leave it on the on the, on the the side of the yeah. bed because I'll fall asleep listening to a podcast. Oh, nice. Um, but it'll be on silent, but I'll just leave it on the side of the bed. Mm. So I'll get up, either jump in a cold shower or the bin, uh, go for a walk, do some exercise. And then I'm having my breakfast. Um and it's weird, right? Because you're so used to just coming down and maybe looking at your phone whilst you're having a coffee. I'll be just having a coffee with nothing in the room and I'll I'll imagine myself, so I'll be looking around, but I can imagine myself being stood there staring at my phone and how much you're missing out on, mm. how much that thing just sucks yeah. so much your life away from you. Um, 
And then, yeah, like I do, you know, I try and tidy up what I need to tidy up in that short period of the morning. Cause I like to start the day, whatever I'm doing, everything tidy in it in order. I've not got OCD, but I just find that you, there's less noise to think about if, you know, the washing's been sorted or mm. the pillars have been fluffed. There's, there's less yeah. noise in your head, uh, which, you know, leads to a productive day. Um, so yeah, that's generally my morning routine. And again, I feel, you know, if, as I think if people are struggling with discipline or resilience, um, things like waking up early, you know, setting your alarm 30 minutes before, an hour before, and just getting up and going for a run, you know, teaching, that teaches resilience and discipline. Because uh, I get asked a lot, how do you, you know, how does someone become disciplined or resilient? And that's how you do it in the military. You get told to do things that you don't want to do, and you do them. And that's the best way of, of getting more resilient. And going back to what you were saying about what I've taken from, my life in the special forces to, to what I do now, that's probably one of the biggest things. And that's, you know, why I get in the bin at seven in the morning is um, because it's uncomfortable and it's not what I want to do, but by doing it, anything else becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Like if I can get out of my warm bed at seven, get into that bin, which is three degrees, I find for the rest of the day, just in terms of productivity, I'm way more productive. But you don't get colds or anything either, do you? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the other health benefits that you get from it, um, which I'm not, I'm read up on, but I'm not an expert. Mm. Um, you don't get a cold from getting in the bin. But um, it's more just about that resilience factor of getting in the bin and doing it. And now if I get up and I've not got, got in cold water, like I was in the, the sea this morning with the lads, um, you feel guilty for not doing it. How long do you do in the bin? Uh, the minute, probably about three minutes, four minutes. Yeah. It's cold. That's good, mate. That's colder than the sea, that bin. Yeah, it's nice. It's such a good feeling. I do cold showers. It's such a good feeling when you go past that point of like, <laughs> oh warm, my God. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. You just, and you just feel, it feels amazing. And then you crave that feeling yeah, the I, next day. I like the moment where you, you go in the shower, turn it on cold, put it all, all the way on cold. And then you, that moment that you get in, that first shock moment, mm. Cause that's the most uncomfortable moment and then the rest of it's quite nice yeah the um it's i find it interesting that i don't know if you're the same every morning i don't want to do it yeah that's yeah. jay pouring water by the way he's not going to the toilet <laughs> yeah, but it's pouring cold water on my <laughs> yeah. legs just for effect <laughs> we're not messing about here we're actually doing it. um yeah, every morning I'm. I don't want to do it. You don't want to do half the stuff that that you, that you do. True. You, do. you know that you've got to do it though. Yeah, it's funny though. You were saying in the regiment you get told what to do and you do it anyway. The difference being now, particularly with morning routines, is you just have to do it yourself. You have to yeah. hold yourself accountable, which is probably it is more difficult. That's laziness, right? If you don't. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's probably the worst, the worst character trait that anyone can have is laziness. Um, and I even feel lazy at times. I think probably most productive people do feel lazy, which is why they're so productive. Yeah. Because they notice that laziness creeping in on themselves, which is, you know, if you skip a, a workout or skip a bin day, that's laziness, right? Yeah. You sit, you sat up in your bed going, mm, I don't want to do that. And then you give in to that feeling of not wanting to do that, which is why you should go and do it. Yeah. What did what did you do in the so again talking about performance like whether it's 
going to play an FA Cup final or whether it's going to go and deliver a pitch in business or whether it's going to go onto the battlefield. What did you do before you were going to, you probably expected you're going to go into contacts? Like, mm. Was there a, a process that you went through? Uh, I used to think about the job before you go on it. Um, so you'll get a set of orders before you go to do a job and you'll, you'll generally know then whether it's going to be um, dangerous or high contact or, you know, there's going to be rounds going. Um, so, you know, you might be sat in a helicopter for three hours, four hours um, in, in pitch black before you go and do it. So you've got a job when you land, regardless, you know, there's whatever that is. Um, so you generally just going through what you're going to do when you get there. Um, so your troop might be going to a certain area to overwatch a certain thing, or you might be the first guys in, or you might be providing protection for the job going on or whatever it is. Um, so I just run through that in my mind so that you're a hundred percent happy with what you're doing when you get on the ground mm. so that when you get off, you can just go straight into that, whatever other noise goes on around you, you'll still stick to what you need to do. Yeah. So there's what, there's like no surprise element to it. Yeah. And then or, it's the, the old classic, um, no plan survives first contact yeah. or what did Mike Tyson say? Uh, you can plan until you get punched punch in the, the face. face yeah. And then, yeah. It's this classic, right? And then <laughs> the rest is just adaptability. Yeah. It's amazing. But you don't, you know, you don't generally think about bad things that are going to happen or, um, Again, it's not really a bad thing that's going to happen, right? You're going to go there and do that specific job. So you just need to figure out how you do, you know, you best do that job to its best ability. And the rest is training. You know, you've been in these situations before. You kind of know what, what to do. Yeah. Did you enjoy being a part of the SAS? Yeah, I loved it. Did you? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, best job I've ever had. Really? Kind of. I mean, I've not got a job now, so I can't really call <laughs> <this> a job. <laughs> You're a free, free spirit, yeah, mate. Yeah. What's the difference between the SAS? Obviously, apart from, it says it in the initials, right? The air service or the boat service, but the SAS and the SBS. Um, pro probably more historically, uh, the SBS, or it's still now the SBS specialise in maritime stuff, um, so anything offshore. Mm. And then the SAS are predominantly on land. Um, they generally do the same job these days. Mm. Um, but historically that was why they were both set up Yeah, was the same with Marines and Paras. The Marines are offshore and the Paras are onshore, but they, you know, you look at Afghanistan, they both did the same job. Yeah. Oh, interesting. We do the same three questions at the end of every episode. I've got one more for you before yeah. we jump into those quick fire. Yeah. Um, if you were to think back, you're just saying how much you loved being in the SAS. If you were to think back to a moment in your life where you felt you had the most meaning, what, what would that be? When was that? Whoa. Um, uh, probably like what's probably some of the Everest expeditions. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're in charge of, the, you know, I was expedition leader. So you're in charge of the guys that are on the expedition and they all want a summer and it's six weeks of being away. Um, and everyone wants to summer whether they're paid money or they're on the expedition or the military's paid them to do it. Um, and it's your job to coordinate that in the best way possible to get them on the summit of Everest, which is a massive achievement for mm. anyone. Um, so yeah, probably, pro probably that. 
Wow. I guess, it, yeah, it's such a feeling of purpose driven to a single goal for an extended yeah. period of time with loads of people that you're responsible for. And it's stressful, right? <laughs> that second expedition, man, you know, there was, I think there was nine people on the expedition and it's your job to look after them all and make sure that, you know, you've looked at the right weather systems and spoke to the right people that you you know if your kit's going to be ready if you go up to, to summit. There's a lot mm. that goes into it and everyone's got their own, expectation of you and yeah stressful what's that feeling like on the top of everest top of the world the first one i got there up there on my own and the guy that i was with john got up there just you know 30 minutes after me um the first time it was kind of a little bit of an anticlimax, um because there was no there's no real difficulty in getting to the summit it was hard, don't get me wrong. It was probably one of the hardest things that I've done. But I never felt, you know, I've always done difficult things. So I've always been in that feeling of my body feels tired, but I'm going to keep on going, mm. which is what Everest is all about. So when I got to the top, it was more just, oh, let's enjoy this. The second time, there was a lot more that went into it. Um, we tried to summit earlier. And if, you know, you've read the book, the prologue mm. in the book, there was that, um, that you know, dark time when I was getting from camp one to camp two at night time. Um, there was more people on the expedition, more expectation, more calamity. Um, everything from gone off rations to yeah, all sorts of stuff went on. So when I finally summited that second time with um, three of the other guys, like that was, even though the summit day wasn't as nice as the first day, the first, sorry, the first time, First time I had the whole summit to myself, no one else on it. Second time, it was absolutely rammed, full of other people, which wasn't great. But the fact that it was more difficult to get to the summit um, made that standing on the summit completely different experience. And, you know, I shed a tear whilst I was up there yeah. and started crying as soon as I got to the top. Mm. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting. So the time that was more difficult felt much better, I guess. Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of emotion and thinking and a lot of headspace that goes into an Everest expedition. Um, you, you know, you start thinking about it and planning it way before you even go there. And that takes up a lot of time and space in your head, a lot of emotional space. And then there's the build up to actually flying out where you're thinking about what might go wrong or there's a lot of commitment that goes into it, especially guys that pay. Like I've been lucky enough not to pay to do these expeditions. So someone might pay 50 grand to go and climb Everest and they want to climb Everest. Mm. And that might not be possible. And then you go away for six weeks. Six weeks is a long time to be away from work, to be away from whatever it is that you do. Um, you live in an altitude, which is detrimental to the brain and body. You're eating... Oh, it's horrendous food it is I'm not going to lie you wouldn't eat it in here um, and it's the same stuff over and over again you're exerting all your energy you're fatigued um, so there's a lot that goes into it all for the you know the 15 to 20 minutes that you spend on the top of that summit um, which you know if that's a difficult time of the whole thinking and planning and prep and um, acclimatization then to stand on top is is well you know, it's the feelings a lot more amplified than if mm. it is, if it's, if it was easy and you just flew up there, it wouldn't feel as, as good. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion and energy that goes into it. Yeah. It's funny. It's going back to what we said right at the beginning of the chat about seeking the difficult thing. Yeah. 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 It's like, like K2, right? I've been thinking about K2 for probably three years. Mm. Um, and that takes up a lot of space. That's in my head, right? Someone goes, what, what's your goal next year? To go and climb K2. Yeah. Um, when you do that it? comes with its own challenges. Like it's a dangerous mountain. So Is that that's going to take up a lot more stress um building up to it than than an everest expedition would really is it harder than everest yeah is it yeah, it's steeper okay um but you know k2 is probably known most for being a dangerous mountain hmm. so a quarter of the people at summit don't make it back down wow really yeah a quarter yeah hmm. so you got 75 percent chance of <laughs> you make it to the summit well you've got a hundred percent chance yeah because of, of yeah, yeah. your mentality um amazing mate it's been such a pleasure so the last three questions are just yeah. these quick fire uh give people actionable stuff to take away and apply to their own lives that's going to help them drive their performance so the first of these is real simple uh, i have an idea of what you might say but is there one thing in particular that you've either discovered come across or have coming up that you're particularly excited about uh in my life as in just probably probably racing cars mm. so we haven't spoken about this yet so yeah so you're so yeah explain so you're um so during lockdown i got approached by well it's through a, a friend of uh, my managers um who's now working for a car brand called praga which isn't a well-known car brand but they've got a massive history um it's from based in prague in, in the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've built planes, they've built military vehicles, they've built go-karts um, and a racing car called a, a Praga R1. And um, they're launching a new supercar next year. And they've got a one-mate race series going out next year in, in, a, in an event called Brick Car Endurance, which is an endurance series. So you race for 60 minutes with two drivers per car. Um, and they're putting this one mate race, race series out. So it's a load of Pragas that are exactly the same that are going to be racing against Pragas. <laughs> so okay. it makes it an even play, uh, yeah. playing field. Um, so it's on the driver. Yeah. So obviously got given this opportunity and why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm, I like machines and vehicles. And um, so, yeah, I think I'm most excited about that more than anything. Mm. But I, I actually drove it for the first time. Uh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. This absolute weapon. Is it? It's crazy. I'll show you a picture of it after this. Okay. Um, but it's a full aero car. So the faster you drive it, the more grip it produces, mm. similar to an F1 car. Yeah. Which means that, you know, you can go around the corner at 70 mile an hour and the tires will grip. You go around the corner at 90 mile an hour, it'll grip with the aero. But anywhere in between, you can spin off. Mm. So it's about having that confidence in the car that. Wow. The faster you drive it, the more grip it's going to produce. Jesus. Okay. I wonder what the survival rates are in there. <laughs> <laughs> I've already spun off a couple of Have times. Have you? Because yeah. oh. I'm not a racing car driver, right? And I'm racing against people that have been racing cars since they were eight years old. Mm. And they're 19 years old, near 19 year old kids. Like the two, so Danny and Jem, they just won the championship. They're both 19 years old. Uh, both been racing since they were, you know, eight years old in go-karts and, Janetta's, mm. um, 
But do you know what? For me, um, I know that I'm not going to be jumping in that car and, and, and winning straight off um, because it's so hard, right? Mm. It's hard and you, you get excited and want to drive fast. I think for me, my biggest goals are just finishing races right now mm. and just trying to build up a level of confidence and a level of uh, control in the car where I can start pushing it. Amazing. Sounds so exciting. Yeah. yeah I look forward to seeing how you get on with it. Second of these is if you had to encourage all listeners to try one habit or routine to put into their day that's going to help them be better, mm. what would that thing be? Cold water. Yeah. Definitely. Whether it's a cold shower, whether it's going outdoors and getting in the sea or a river, um, whether you want to go one up and buy your own bin. I'm actually upgrading the bin. I'm going to get a, a horse trough. Nice. So I can outdoor so you can lie in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely cold water. Yeah. Well, you, just, you put it out here. Yeah. Just start off small. Um, you know, if if you wanted to, you could start at the end of a hot shower and just turn it over to cold and time yourself for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. Um, or just go big and bold and just get in the shower and it's cold or buy a bin. Or buy a bin. But yeah, so good for you. Yeah. Better than any coffee first thing in the morning. Yeah. So that and a coffee is tenfold yeah the dream yeah drink your coffee in the in the bin <laughs> yeah amazing i couldn't agree more mate i love it i was actually in st ives over the summer so i was uh, actually no it was in uh october yeah so it was cold so i was using the i was getting the sea there in the harbor in st ives so good isn't it mm. expect like i prefer to go in nature yeah cold water in nature just because there's you get more from it than sitting in a plastic bin yeah but the, the effect's the same yeah yeah, it's harder to, like, the slow walk down the beach to get in. It's just like, oh. Let's go. Just yeah. got to get in there. <laughs> Don't think about it. So the last of these is if you had to say one trait that you feel has allowed you to be the person that you are today, achieve all the things that you've done, what would that one trait be? Ah, uh, God, there's probably quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I guess not being content with boredom. Is probably the biggest thing. Mm. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Just the re refusing to have boredom. Being bored. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't mean boredom as in, I mean boredom in my life and not general boredom as in, you know, sometimes I find myself being bored, right? As in you just sat in the living room on the weekend and bored or whatever. Um, I mean more just with my life, like I'm not bored with my life and that's where I want to be. Mm. But the moment that I'm bored with something or someone or, um, something that I'm doing, then yeah, that's when you need to get away from it. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll, you'll use that feeling as a trigger to act and change the yeah. thing. Yeah. Which hopefully I won't end, in that, end up in that position because I'm so dedicated to trying, trying to get away from it. Mm. Amazing. Jay, it's been a pleasure, mate. You're a legend. Yeah, You've got amazing stuff coming up. I'm looking forward to following you in uh, 2021. And the book's amazing. I can't recommend it enough. I really enjoyed getting into it and reading it, actually. I didn't know what to expect necessarily, yeah. but it was it was awesome. It was right on my street with the even the examples that you used and the way it was written. It was great, mate. So, um, yeah, thanks again for sitting down with me. And it's been a pleasure, mate. Good luck with everything. Cheers, Mark. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers, Jay. So there it is, guys. A massive, massive thank you for tuning in 
we are back with 10 brand new episodes coming each week and what a way to start big big thank you to jay for sharing all his stories he's honestly such a legend he's been out surfing in bali this last week he's a man after my own heart i hope to do many more things with him whether that's eventually at live events when we can do them or other podcasts and, and i'm sure there's stuff that we can collaborate on in the future so i don't think this will be the last time you hear it from jay on take flight you can follow him yourself as well on all socials at j underscore morton and you can pick up a copy of his book soldier anywhere you normally get your books once again a massive massive happy new year to all of you 2021 is going to be incredible i can feel it we've all been hardened by the challenges in 2020 and i think we're all a little bit more prepared for anything we face now i'm excited to see how people react with this newfound resilience and as ever i'll strive to support and inspire your own vision as much as possible through my work with take flight if you haven't yet listened back to the end of year review or the annual goal setting sessions that I recently put out this week, then you can do so now. They're the peak performance practices episodes and they'll be really good for you to both see what went well in 2020 and see where you might want to improve. And in the second session, set goals and build that vision for what you want to do in 2021. I personally found it hugely beneficial and I do it every year. I hope you have the best week. Stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.